Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Kearney and I am the host. Welcome back to Book of Leaves. This is a podcast where I interview people in Ireland who are doing things that are great for the planet in any way, shape or form. And the whole idea is we take a leaf from their book to add our own way of living after we get to know them and their story a little bit. And my name is Cara. I am the host of the show. I work in the arts industry and this is just a huge passion project of mine and I've been an environmental activist since 2019. So that is stuff for new listeners who this is their first episode listening. Welcome. It is so lovely to have you here and to any of my regular listeners. Hello and welcome back. Thank you so much for tuning in again to episode 68. This is a chat that I'm going to have with Diane O'Connor who is a comedian and an activist and has a um, sustainable life school business that she runs with a woman called Natalie and we'll talk all about what that offers and yeah I can't wait for you to hear and of course I am just back from the Elements of Change Festival at Clock Jordan Eco Village over the weekend. It was amazing. I mean you've probably seen me if you follow on my Instagram (laughs) going on about it. It was just so good to have a community-led festival. I know there's a lot of people who couldn't make it but hopefully next year you will be able to. Yeah I already can't wait for the next one and the panel talk that I had uh, was really really enjoyable. It was about artivism and I had Aaron Bailey and Mel White and Rachel Lockery who is also known as EcoHun online and runs loads of amazing events and I asked my mom to join me on the panel as well who came to the festival because she is an amazing singer-songwriter and has been an activist for years. So yeah, there you go. That was a little summary of the weekend but of course you're not here for that. You're here for the chats with Diane. So I'll hand it over to her. Don't forget if you like what you hear on this podcast or any of the episodes or any other podcast don't forget to leave them a review especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now have a way that you can give them five stars if you go onto the main page of the podcast and this also has a Patreon account I do have a Patreon a Patreon a patreon.com forward slash book of leaves if you are in a financial position that you can contribute that way um, to the show it would be greatly appreciated to go towards the running costs of the podcast but also towards my time that would be greatly appreciated and I have a one of contribution method as well on buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves where you can contribute multiples of three euro towards getting me a coffee or a hot chocolate or a cup of green tea so here is diane don't forget to give her a follow and check out the website and i will catch you at the end enjoy my name is diane o'connor and i am a comedian I'm a climate activist and I'm also an entrepreneur, which feels very weird for me to say because it kind of happened by accident uh, during the pandemic. I think a lot of people got accidental uh, occupations or feathers <laughs> to their bows. Is that the word? Uh, feathers to their hat, maybe, um, during the pandemic. Yeah, so I love stand-up comedy. That's kind of my passion and at the moment I am writing a show about climate activism so that's a lot of fun for me well you know as in because the climate's not always fun so it's fun <laughs> for me to try <laughs> try bring some fun to it and I also my the enter the social enterprise I am part of it's called the sustainable life school and I'm part of that with uh, my colleague and very good friend Natalie Pavone and 
yeah, I've just always been involved in the arts and I've always been a bit of an environmentalist. And then I kind of like, you know, like fell off it in my 20s. Like then in my 30s, I was like, oh, crap. And then I kind of like jumped back down activism bandwagon. Not bandwagon. You said you you were always a bit of an environmentalist. So like, were you kind of always aware of it growing up as a child? Was that because of where you grew up or was it your parents or anything? Um, It was my dad, actually. Um, he was yeah he was always into it like so this would have been the 90s like he would have been going he would have been collecting all our tins and our cardboard and stuff but he would I always remember him rinsing everything out and then he would bring it to curbside even though it's called curbside but it wasn't at the curb he he drove it to the recycling center and so this is before we had like you know the recycling bins and he always had a little like compost piled in the back of the garden and like all his little different bits and pieces and he'd get in trouble if you put the wrong bit of food in the wrong bowl and then he always he grew veg and stuff as well and he'd he was always like mad about the lights at night time like I have the soundtrack in my head like you'd be up in bed and you could just hear my dad lights off wash him you know he'd be going through the whole yeah power Obviously, that's an economic thing as well, you know, for people in the 90s. But yeah, no, he, he was always very tuned in. That's amazing. Because for, for back then, you know, when it can be, it, it wasn't convenient, you know, you had to kind of go out with your way to to be yeah. kind to the environment. Like that, that is someone who was ahead of their time. That's absolutely brilliant to have that kind of inspiration. And then I guess before we get into the adult activism or the activism you're doing now as an adult, how did you how did you get into comedy? Like you've you've always kind of been interested in the arts and now you're a comedian. Like how did that happen? Yeah, well like I was I was the youngest of four. So I had like three older sisters. So I was always very good at kind of realizing I needed to needed to kind of, you know, put myself out there for a bit of attention. So like I was always like, you know, dancing in front of the telly and that sort of thing, thinking they were loving it. And then I remember, I think it was around nine and I asked my mom, um, could I go to drama classes? And, you know, like, I think my generation, we were very aware of finances growing up and you were thinking, oh my God, this is such a big ask. And she was, you know, she was great. She just sent me straight in. And then I went on to youth theatre and then I wanted to be an actor. And then I ended up trying to be a drama facilitator and I loved that. While I was doing that, I was in a comedy improv group with people and um, with my fr- some of my friends from youth theatre, from Tally Youth Theatre. Yeah. So we were adults at this stage. We were in our early 20s. And we used to do a show that was like half, half stand-up comedy, half improv. So from that, I got to see stand-up comedy and I got really interested in that, like that form of comedy as well and I was like oh I'd love to try that they look like they're just telling funny stories um I could do that so I tried and like like a lot of stand-up comedians I was terrible for the first few years um, <laughs> and then you realize oh wait no it's not just telling stories there's punchlines and structures a lot which I'm still learning about but yeah so that's kind of how it happened I was always wanted to, I was always a performer always an entertainer and then that kind of like that's kind of how I ended up in comedy and stand-up comedy Wow, because it's wow. one of those things that I actually ended up doing because um, I work in the arts as well. And I did a, wor- no, it was a comedy workshop, but I ended up doing, there was only one other person who wanted to do stand up and we had to work in pairs. So I was paired with her and then I ended up having to do stand up when I wanted to do scenes. But I was like, OK, look, I'm in a safe space. And even though, so I wrote like a little story 
and uh, we just had to perform it in front of like these eight people in like a work it was a really safe you know yeah like nice environment I was a shitting a brick I couldn't be a human I was shaking so much like it's complete I've been on stage in front of literally hundreds of people at a time with lines to learn and things to do I've sang in front of people no problem all but there's something about the pressure of having to make people laugh and if they don't laugh oh man I bow down to you Diana I don't know how you do it it's like one of the most amazing things I don't know I think it's like it's like anything I think like I would even though I did do theatre growing up like the thought of trying to learn lines now would like totally totally petrify me but I also think it's about like for me stand up I think it's a lot about like switching off like as in kind of just focusing actually on believing in your jokes pretty good but then as an adult um you started getting more active did that happen because you started having a family or what was it that triggered it for you there was a lot of things I remember I kind of started to get back on the radar kind of right around 2015 I think and I noticed sharing Facebook posts isn't actually going to come to change anything um, significantly then also I had my baby in my first baby in 2016 and it was around the same time she was only three months old when Trump got elected and I oh hate God. to mention him and I hate to give him any credit for absolutely anything but it was at that point it was at that point I realised, oh, because I had always kind of naively believed the government were going to sort it out when I got serious enough. Do you know mm-hmm. that way? Like, a I lot really of people believed are the that. same. Yeah. Mm. And then that, I realised, because, you know, like a lot of people, especially environmentalists, you're, you're reading into his views on the environment and, and him dismantling environmental protections and all this. So you're kind of reading this in total, like, distraughtness. And it was at that point I realized, oh, wait, no, so we can't trust the government. And I was like looking at my baby and I was thinking, oh, my God, I, like I have to just do everything I can. Like, you know, it was just that, well, I have to. Like, this is my responsibility. It was it was I have to, but it also was it was the choice not to give up hope as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was that like, I'm totally responsible. I have to do it. It's my individual responsibility. And also I refuse to give up hope that we can't we can't do do something about this. Yeah, that yeah. And how then did that start? How does your activism manifest? I know we'll talk about the sustainable life skill and obviously as a comedian you you talk about it in a, in a really enjoyable way, you know, cuz your people are like how do you make climate change funny? Diane knows how. <laughs> but uh, that's and how I first I... met you in like a workshop and I think you you were asking us like what are all our what are the things that we're just not willing to give up and we were telling like funny stories about our like 20 minute scalding hot showers and whatever and uh, yeah yeah it was, so it was really really enjoyable but was that how you got into it or did you start kind of making choices at home or were you joining protests or what were you doing? It actually started, it definitely started with protests. I remember like going to the Women's March and going to climate marches and going to, I can't remember the name of the organisation, but it was like protests outside Leinster House for like protecting our trees or our native forests. But then, you know, like protests are not all the time. So you kind of feel like, well, I need to do stuff in between this yeah. to... Like I need, I need somewhere to put this energy. I, I'm coming home. I'm feeling very riled up. And now, okay, what do I, what do I do with this energy? And I guess then, from the point of view, like yourself, like we were talking about that person in your family member who's like, oh my god, is she going to start lecturing me about <laughs> the contents of my fridge again? 
you kind of realize actually I'm getting nowhere with this. Like, like this is bringing me nowhere. And like that changing, sharing Facebook posts, but I like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. You're like, I'm not actually changing anyone's mind about anything. And then obviously because I love comedy, it made sense to combine the two things. Like, you know, because like with all serious issues, I think comedy has a real natural ability to disrupt the tension. And then I think when you kind of, when you can kind of alleviate tension, I think you, you kind of help people a little bit more open to digest different things, yeah. if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Like and you're I getting through to people with their defense walls down, you know, like you're not, if I'm doing a panel talk, people might be like, oh no, look, she's going to be talking at us. But if someone's doing, you're at a stand-up comedy show and it's not like hitting you over the head with a, with a stick, you're, you know, your people are more relaxed and more open to kind of thinking of things a different way. Yes. Actually, and I always forget this because the, the first moment how it started was when I was I joined the Climate Ambassador Program in 2018. And, you know, as part of which you 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 make pledges and you take upon action. So for me, OK, I was like, well, I'll do a comedy climate themed um, comedy night. And Bright Club Ireland, who's a science based um, comedy club, I collaborated with them on it because they've they already had experience of like that delivering the heavier topics uh through comedy so we collaborated on a climate theme night and then from that then myself and another comedian and gail that's how then the climate comedy workshops came about so it kind of actually all started with the climate ambassador program i remember them saying do something like you know think about what you're interested in and i was like well i'm interested in comedy so let's try marry the two and then it just kind of kept snowballing from them it just kept making more and more sense to keep seeing what else I can do. Yeah. So then how did the sustainable life school start? Was that um, during COVID you were saying? So me and Natalie met, actually we met at a baby group when our babies, when my 2016 baby was only three months old. So I love how that's you refer to her. (laughs) My 2016 baby. I'll never forget her birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, sorry, that's my comedy of overspilling to this podcast. (laughs) She was like, Natalie was mad into sustainable fashion and I was big into zero waste. So like, you know, I was going to zero waste festivals and I was, I'd recently moved to Drumcondra, so we had small changes. And so I'd like, I was really into reducing plastic and reducing packaging from my lifestyle. So we kind of both saw the other person's, side of sustainability and we were thinking okay that's interesting I noticed that we both then both had holes in our sustainable lifestyle which is totally fine of course to have holes but just that we realized okay you're off doing that I don't really know anything about the sustainable fashion and then vice versa for her so we used to talk about sustainability a lot on these ba- on these uh, play dates and um, so this was going on for four years we were just chatting about it and it was just before I say it was Feb- January, February 2020, and we were having like one of our play dates, probably our last one before lockdown. And we were talking about like, well, let's, we feel like we should do something together. What could we do? And then Natalie was kind of saying, you know, I just noticed that everything is fragmented. Like there's, there's sustainable fashion over here. There's zero waste over there. And like just talking about what about a hub where you can learn about them all. So then we started to play with that idea. And then then the country shut down so I wasn't gigging and Natalie was working from home so everybody suddenly had a bit more free time you know 
we then decided to apply to Social Enterprise Ideas Academy um, about this idea for the Sustainable Life School of, of a place where people can come and learn about all like all the different areas of sustainability. So like um, fashion, energy in the home, food, and then like like reducing plastic. So kind of, yeah, it was kind of a slow burner. And then we just kind of had an epiphany. Oh, maybe this is the thing. Yeah. So what then, what is it that you guys offer? What does the Sustainable Life School do? We have a couple of couple of little treads. And one of our, our main tread is our four-part program where we offer both virtually and in real life a Sustainable Life School program. So people get to learn about, about the four areas which are, you know, quite the high impact areas where you can really make um, change. So we do, we deliver sessions on them. And at the end of each session, we give people what we call power changes. So like maybe a suggestion of three changes of things that they could do within their own life to make help make their lives more sustainable. So we work with commu- both communities and businesses on that. And like that, we're still, we're still, you know, we're still building and developing and then we also have our Instagram page, the Sustainable Life School. We try again offer sustainable life lifestyle tips on that, and we have our website. So we're still we still have like so many more big ideas of where we want to go, but that's kind of where we are at the moment. Amazing, that's so cool, and it's for like businesses as well as individuals can like get in touch. And then I guess for pe- some people listening, like what are some of your favorite tips for people? in those in those areas well one thing at the moment now this this is mainly i guess for fashion but i think this applies to everything that you can get nearly almost anything you want secondhand i've everything from wellies a blender push bikey thing for my daughter like and even one time i wanted a pair of i really wanted dungarees i went on adverts i just put in dungarees lo and behold i found a girl in not so far from me that wanted to sell her dungarees. So think secondhand first, look for secondhand first. I think that's the number one thing you can do. Apart from obviously not buying things you don't need, I think trying to get things that are already in circulation um, is the best thing you can do really. Yeah, it can be cheaper as well to do that. Like um, you're getting really good things for like less than half the price loads at a time. Definitely. And I think this is... This is the real stickler with the with a sustainable lifestyle. Like there is a lot of kind of ideas that it, it's more expensive to live sustainability, sustainability, sustainable, sustainably, sustainable. See, there's so many variations <laughs> of that word sustainable. It's, it's tricky. Um, but, there, you know, that can be more expensive. And of course it can. If you're buying firsthand clothes from a sustainable company, of course it's going to be more expensive. And that's for good reason. But if that's not within your budget, and often that's not within my budget, I look to get pre-loved, which is also, which is the most, most sustainable choice anyway. And then I guess, of course, with buying loose products, yes, it can be more expensive to buy, buy some items like nuts. Nuts loose are really, really expensive. So for me, I just don't buy nuts. Like that's, but that's my choice. But then like dried pulses are actually or dried organic pulses loose are really really cheap so I think it's about looking at what you can do like also I think it's just stopping buying some things that you that you don't need or then sometimes just being okay with yourself for buying things that you do need even if they're not sustainable because that's just it's feasible for you 
I feel like yeah, I went off on tangent there. No, no, not all. It's all relevant, Diane. It's all relevant. Um, it has to be what matters, and you know, to to you, everyone is different, and like what they need, and the resources they have, and the the time, and the money, and that. But that's something that I just think is missed so much about being kinder to the planet can also save you so much time and money which people don't talk about they think you know it's more effort but it's actually it can save you so much oh my god it does like I feel like the amount of times like I can go into town and uh, a fancy like sale sign does nothing to me a pub however mm-hmm. I'm like da, 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 da. so that like you said you do get time back definitely um and then did you have some more tips then for energy or, or food that you were going to share Okay, so food is a tricky one. I There's so much to say. I feel like I could do a TED talk on this. But I think the top thing you can do um, is tackle food waste. We have a massive food waste problem in this country and globally. And um, the research tells us it's one of the top things we can do um, as global citizens to reduce emissions. So tackle your food waste. Buy less food, especially when it comes to fresh produce. And buying loose, I think is a great way to do this also apart from reducing the packaging but also i think a lot of us have bought that multi-pack of peppers or um whatever because we wanted one or two and then you know there's a whole load of victims of moldy vegetables at the back of the fridge after tackling food waste buying organic where you can buying loose where you can and buying seasonal where you can. When you buy organic, you're, you know, you're helping promote biodiversity and it's actually better for your health. Um, by buying loose, again, we're cutting down on packaging and buying seasonal and local, we are also cutting down on air miles. And so that's that's brilliant too. And also seasonal, it's what's supposed to be at that time of year. So it's just nature is telling us what, what we should be eating. So um we should listen. I think nature is quite wise. And then is there anything to as a parent, did you try go down the cloth nappy route? So yeah, so I did the whole cloth I'm doing the whole cloth nappy thing and I have to say I love it. Like it's I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, like but nappies aren't fun. Cloth nappies kind of are because they have like cute little names like fluffy bum and like sweet pea, you know. And the designs so it, on them, do- yeah. And the designs, yeah. And like you can get them pre-loved as well. And I remember when I first found this out, I was like, oh my God, that's totally gross. And I was talking to my sister about it. And my sister's a nurse. And she was like, Diane, uh, what do you think happens with hospital sheets? And I was like, all right, yeah. Oh my God. That's an excellent point. Of that. <laughs> yes. But and this is the thing. Like, I, I think for any hygiene thing that might freak you out about sustainability, there's actually something that we all accept within our lives that, that shows us that actually, no, it's perfectly safe once, you know, once things are properly cleaned, of course, that, you know, it's actually totally fine. Like, what is the difference? People are going to restaurants and using the cutlery. Like, you know, so there's no difference there at yeah. all. It's the yeah, same yeah. thing. You're trusting that that the restaurant are cleaning things properly, you know, like, yeah. and, and that's it. Like and you then you, bring you get the cloth properly. nappies then and you you obviously like wash them first or whatever again do you know what I mean like if you get something from a charity shop as well um because I interviewed Annie from cloth nappy library 
um, Ireland on this and it was she was so helpful in explaining like exactly how they work and what to do with the different parts and everything it's like Transformers like uh, assembling like a cloth nappy and all but it just seems like so helpful because when you think the amount of nappies kids go through it's mind-boggling and again in the long run especially if you can get them second-hand and you're you're getting them on a loan basis from the library it will save you a fortune yet again like so um are there is there anything else about parenting wise that you found helps because I know a couple of parents people with kids listen to this that and that they can, children are sources of, of waste a lot of the time you know and how can you kind of how do you deal with that yeah no definitely it's an excellent question my first love into sustainability was a zero waste and I think the five ors can really just stand to you throughout your state sustainable lifestyle so the first one being obviously refuse so that is really the top of the list when it comes to parenting because when you have a child the amount of things people will tell you you need like a nappy bin I don't need a nappy bin I just need a bin or if I'm using cloth nappies I might not even need a bin you know I think when you, if you can just step outside parenting for a second and think of it from a marketing point of view and think of all the products we're told we're used, we're, we need, just remember there is some company that invented that product to tell us that we need it, but there's a good chance we don't, you know? Yeah. And so I think if, it, if it's your first child to talk to other parents about, look, out of all this nonsense I'm told I need, what do I actually need? And when it comes to like buying clothes, there's so much available on free cycle, adverts, in charity shops. Now I know this this might work for everything, but if you can kind of start with that kind of headspace, you you save yourself a lot of time and money. So yeah, the five hours to, to refuse stuff, again, just to reduce, just buy less of less of the stuff. Why have I forgot the next door? So refuse, reduce, reuse. Again, so looking at the likes of reuse, like so the Repair. reusable nappies. See, the five ores, they're ever changing. I think there's probably about like 10 <laughs> there's of them so now. Many of them. Really? There's like nine it's... of them. Like I know recycle is now the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, don't recycle. No, but do. Do if you have to. But don't like, don't like, you know. Don't, don't go wear to that a same recycle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, I think yeah, so buy, buy less. Don't buy stuff that you don't need. And then, like, try to resource stuff pre-loved is really, really helpful. And, yeah, just trying to jump into the reusables as much as possible. So whether it's the reusable nappies, the reusable, like, lunch boxes and water bottles. Because this is the strange thing. Like, I was in, I was in a chemist there recently and, like, literally – there is disposable every, like there's you can buy disposable bibs like my mind was blown Aww. so I know so if you can that means people are so I think it's really just thinking I'm just taking a step back and just trying to that sounded really serious <laughs> but they are the things that have helped me most and I think talk to your children my poor child she's never had balloons at her birthday party and that's probably going to make some people listen to your podcast cry. They're probably going to be like, that poor child. <laughs> but she's never looked for them because she knows why we don't have them. You know, I've explained yeah. to her that, well, when they, firstly, they're plastic. and But if they get released and they can end up in rivers or in trees and, and her birdies and, and sea life. So she totally understands it. So I think once children are of 
an age where you can have these conversations with them, you can have them very gently without scaring them. And I think then they're actually more, they're supportive of the sustainable lifestyle. So if we go to buy a magazine as a treat sometimes, she just knows she's not allowed any of the ones with plastic. And there's no tantrum because we've always talked about it. Yeah, they're not, you know, they, they're intelligent, way more intelligent than they're often given credit for. Like they understand, they get things more than adults do a lot of the time. They're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like that, I guess if I had come to sustainability when she was already three or four and she'd had all her birthday parties, you know, that obviously that's going to be harder for, for yeah. people then, then trying to introduce but I don't think it, it would be impossible either because like you said they are intelligent and they do understand these things and they love nature at that age yeah. you know yeah definitely they're very 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 compassionate um yes. so is there anything Joanne, that you want to share with listeners anything at all be it stories or tips um before I let you go well not before I let you go before we go into some really random questions and then I'll let you go is there anything you'd want to share the main thing about all this it's so, so overwhelming. Like it, it really is. But when you are feeling totally overwhelmed by it, sometimes I think it's okay to either totally switch off, do two things, totally switch off, but also actually go purposefully and look for good climate news and good environmental news. Because it's like when the in climate ambassador program, that, that's one of the things I really got from it was you when you see all all these amazing people out there doing these brilliant things it kind of makes you realize you're actually part of this big giant network of people that are trying really really hard to try help us in this climate emergency and and try create a better world and for me that's one of the most helpfulest things to do is because it is overwhelming and it is serious and we can't pretend it's not and while corporations have to be held accountable and and we can push and push for that and keep pushing for that I also do think that doesn't take away from individual responsibility as well you know because we all do live on this planet and also actually does help I think it does help you feel better that like if you're if you're pushing towards like positive change like I do think it you know I think it's win-win in so many different ways it is yeah and it it's not always you know you're not always positive and not always like it's a it, depending on the day you ask me I don't know how I feel about the future and everything but I just no matter what like yes. I just have to keep going I just have to keep doing what I'm doing because that's something that I refuse to do is to just give up and be complacent or you know and like you said you meet so many people and once you join these communities climate ambassador is amazing or you know you join a a group or you go to something like sustainable life school and you meet other people we are apathetic and we try we tend to give up or feel despair because we're think we think we're alone and we think that you know because the government is really hard to trust like you were saying earlier that they have so much power than us but like every big change from marriage referendum to abolishing slavery to women's rights they all started with like individuals that were all spread out thinking this is not right and then like finding each other and you know coming together for a common purpose look at us rallying doing a big rallying call at the end of the interview (laughs) yeah yeah Come join us. I love it. Um, but no, it's so true. So, but to 
switch it on its head now. I am going to flip things up a little bit and ask you to pick a letter of the alphabet and I'm going to give you a random question. You don't, the answers don't need to be related to the letter of the alphabet. I just chose letters instead of numbers because I'm odd. Um, and it was just, they're questions that I want to know from guests, but just haven't got the time. So this is how I go through it. If you want to pick your first letter. Um, S, please. For Sycamore, ooh, where in the world would you teleport to first? So you get your teleportation license. Where would you go? Um, I would teleport to Sydney to my cousin Alison, who I love very much, and she lives oh. over there. Oh, that's so nice. That would save you a fortune. I love that. It's like literally on the other side of the planet. So yeah, if only it became a thing. If only the scientists were working know, on some carbon-free carbon teleportation, free, maybe. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it will be. Pretty sure it will be. We'll figure it out. But yeah. would you like to pick another letter? Um, L. L for lime. Ooh, what's your favourite memory from a protest? Ooh, this is, oh, yeah, this is very, very exciting. This is very exciting. No, <laughs> so I was actually thinking about this earlier when I was thinking about protests. Um, my favourite memory is actually one of the recent protests I went to. It was one of the, the first big one back. And I can't remember exactly when, but it was Fridays for Future. And I went with my two girls. So I was pushing Alex in the buggy and Eliza was alongside me. She was joining in the chance. I didn't say anything to her. She was just listening. She was joining in the best she could. And eventually we got down to one of the bridges near the custom house. I can't remember what bridge it was. I'd already been out with the girls two and a half hours at this point because, you know, we arrived early and everything. And I was like, if I don't go now, I'm never going to be able to get them home. And I just knew that. So I was like, okay, we have to go. And Liza was like, no, no, no. She was screwed. I don't want to go from the protest. I want to stay at the protest. But anyway, we did have to go. And eventually I got her home. And she came home and she found bits of cardboard. And like, she actually, interesting enough, one of them was a little insert from my Swedish stockings that I recently bought. And oh, very good, that. great sustainable company. Yes, nice placement, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she got that and another little cardboard and she stuck it on. She, she made a little placard. Oh, um, no. So I think that was my favourite thing about it. That was my, that's my, definitely my favourite memory, yeah. That's amazing, like, that is so cute. Oh, I love that as well. No wonder, that is adorable. So she'll be the next, she'll be the next Greta Thunberg get little Eliza. Yes. I love it. Now, I'm aware we have to wrap up now. I know you're on school, Judy. So um, no. where can people find you? What are you, do you know your Instagram handles and that off uh, the top of your head that people yes. can follow so, you on? I'll link them in the show notes as for well. comedy, okay, perfect. So for comedy, I'm Diane O'Comedy. And then on Instagram, I'm Diane O'Connor nine. Then for the Sustainable Life School, I'm the word the Sustainable Life School on Twitter and the 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 the, the, the <laughs> Sustainable Life School on Instagram. Amazing. And I'm also on Facebook as Diane O'Connor the comedian. But I'm be totally honest, I'm less active there. Yes, I mean I think that's that's just the way Facebook is going now these days. Good for the groups and not much else now. But that's great. I will link yes. them in the show notes as well, so people can check you out. And Diane, thank you so much for the chat. It's been great. 
Thank you so much, Kira. There you go, guys. Um, there was a little part in that where the audio changed for her talking about food. That was because there were some technical issues, so she resent that link to me. But I hope you guys were able to get some food tips or parenting tips or any kind of sustainable living tips from Diane or even just have a laugh and do follow her on social media because she always has events coming up from comedy gigs to sustainable related events. So definitely check out the sustainable life school and check out her instagram and her socials if you are on them to stay up to date and to just have a laugh i want you sharing her her failures and her successes in uh, this eco journey that we're all trying to take and thank you so much for listening don't forget to share this podcast if you enjoyed it recommend it to a friend share it online and of course it is on patreon and buymeacoffee.com as well if you're able to contribute that way Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you again in two weeks time. Bye.